You are now tuned in to another episode of Bourbon and Books, the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. We're laughing right now, ladies and gentlemen, because every time it's an awkward moment, Ronald decides to hit record. So with that being said, welcome to another edition of Bourbon and Books, courtesy of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, and we have our brother, cousin Jeff, here in the mix as well for the January edition of Bourbon and Books, man, when we are discussing um, Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan. Uh, I'll be honest with you, full disclosure, transparency. Uh, We came up with this book for January I think out of dire necessity um, we couldn't really agree on page count <laughs> for the start of the year 2023 uh, Cousin Jeff had a lot to say about this month's book and the timing around what we needed to get through the book in order to have a, a wonderful episode for you all this month um, and so that's really how we came up with Everyday Millionaires by the author Chris Hogan. And Chris Hogan happens to be a brother as well. So, my disclaimer is, with the book, the content of this conversation, if you don't like what you hear, put it on Cousin Jeff. Not Kev, not RLJ. Don't put nothing nothing (laughs) on me. Wow. I thought... It being a new year, you know, typically new year, that's when people want to get in the gym. You want to get your mind right. You yeah. want to get your money right. Things yeah. of that sort. Why not talk about a book that deals with finances? Oh, I, I understand, completely understand, man. I, and I appreciate your passion behind making sure that the village gets intelligence on wealth and generating wealth. So I, I, I'm not taking anything away from you, Cousin Jeff. And but uh, a little, if, a little more about the author, about the author before we kind of roll into it and everything. Uh, I didn't know anything about Chris Hogan. Um, I think he's from the Dave Ramsey School of Thought in terms of financial planning. I, I've, I've worked with and met a lot of people who've kind of gone through Dave Ramsey's uh, financial planning and savings uh, program. Um, but obviously, Chris Hogan is a number one best-selling author and host of the Chris Hogan Show a popular and dynamic speaker on the topics of personal finance, retirement, leadership. He helps people across the country develop successful strategies to manage their money in both their personal lives and businesses. And so um, the book, Everyday Millionaires, came out by way of Dave Ramsey's publishing company, Ramsey's Press, in 2019. And... um, you know, the cadence of the book really is trying to get people in shape and, and give them some insight and perspective on building wealth, what it takes to build wealth, uh, demystifying some of the uh, some of the, the rumors and, and myths behind building wealth. And once again, Cousin Jeff, we got to thank him this month for the selection of this publication. Look, I'm going to say this. If Kevin thanking me this much, you just know something else is around the corner and it's not nothing good. <laughs> in terms of this book i'll say this this book was actually gifted to me um by my godson and you know it had been sitting on my shelf and again opposed to finding 
just a random book that's out there. You know, this one had a black author. Um, I thought, why not give it a, a good read? Uh, again, when we talk about New Year, you should at least try to start a new year off with uh, some type of money plan. Mm. Um, even if that kind of withers away throughout the year, at least kind of start off strong. Uh, so I guess when we talk about just the book and the cover and things of that sort. I don't know. The cover was very workbooky. Yeah. And I was going to be That's a nice word. I was going to say it was dry, but <laughs> from, the, from the title alone, um, everyday millionaires, I thought what, what the picture that came into my mind was. Oh, we going there. Ronald ain't even asked the probing well, question. He, he you, went for so it. Cousin, yeah, he so so cousin Jeff trying to you see he trying to get this thing out the way. You see that? You no, see that, brother Jay? Look, you see how just, slick he is? I'm just making slick, sure. Hold on. Yo, brother Jay, you see how slick he being right now? <laughs> he ain't even come back to you about your opinion on the cover of the book. No, or the, I, or the I was still talking about the cover. And he was gonna roll right in it. And you ain't no, even no, asked no. The I was gonna still talk about the cover. What he I was gonna slick. say with he being slick, but look, I was gonna say in terms of the title, Everyday Millionaire. What I what what came to mind is people who you know, um, like people in your neighborhood, your kind of like everyday uh folks who you don't necessarily think are millionaires, like talking about like their lives. What that picture looks like to me is the Subaru driver, the Prius driver, um, you know, the person who who owns their home very kind of like meager they cut their grass but it's nothing it's nothing very glaring about them you know they wear levi's 529 jeans and the the target uh shirt mind you nothing wrong with those things but i'm i'm giving you a visual of you know what that kind of looks like so everyday millionaires picture wise like that's what i thought about and that's what i figured the book would talk about so but so did you get that from the cover or did you just get that from the title the title okay okay yeah i thought the cover was very workbooky so i procrastinated in starting the book because i was like ah, this looks real Same. it looks real they're going to try to sell me some stuff like chapter four <laughs> chapter seven chapter nine um picture you know the faces were kind of blown out in terms of exposure so you couldn't really like see the people but I don't know if it went along with like we see millionaires every day and we may not be able to recognize them based on our perception of what a mm. millionaire is supposed to look like so to your point um, yeah the everyday casual next door neighbor that's really a millionaire not because he got a million dollars in cash but because mm -hmm. he got a million dollars in assets. Yep. Kev, what you got? Yeah, I mean, the workbookie piece, I felt like I was going to a sem seminar mm. at like a local uh, Holiday Inn Express on like a Saturday morning. And it was going to tell me how to solve all the problems to my, to my, uh, to my situation and help me line up my hopes and my dreams. And, and um, help me be, be a uh, become a millionaire faster, quicker, and more efficiently. For three ninety seven. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the, the cover kind of said. And then everyday millionaires. I kind of got to the point where it's like, all right, well, yeah, you know. I think the i the 
the definition of what a millionaire is, um, to Mr. Hogan's point, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So if one person says, well, I'm a millionaire because I make more than a million dollars a year, juxtaposed to someone who has um, assets, they equate to be over a million dollars a year, minus, you know, after liabilities. Um, I think that he kind of talked down to the reader a little bit. It might just in my opinion, but I think that kind of goes back to like the workbooky, the workbooky, like it came with a seminar registration, like how the cover look, you know what I'm saying? Um, but the concept and the title alone and how it was positioned, like I, I can respect the fact that he wanted to bring light to um, what it really looks like to be a millionaire. Because I do think a lot of times, especially when you come from humble beginnings, um, your interpretation of what a million dollars is or uh, to be worth a million dollars, it 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 is different. And some people I think are still in that process or, or that mindset that if you are a millionaire, that means like to his point in the book, all your problems are solved. You got servants, all your bills are paid. Um, you go, you traveling, you traveling the world every year. You balling out private. of control. Yeah, you flying private. You flying the driving PJ. A yeah, you driving a Bentley. You in a Ferrari. And real rap, a million dollars won't enough money to live off of twenty years ago when I entered the workforce. So I know it ain't. <laughs> he wrote this book in twenty nineteen, so I know a million dollars has a, a lesser value even now, right? And so the concept of like, you know, this is what an everyday millionaire looks like. Going back to some of the examples that he gave, like you know, there are school teachers, retired school teachers, and school teachers that are millionaires and CPAs and you know, people who got in and invested in their 401k plan and their company early and they just saved and they didn't keep up with the Joneses and worry about what the neighbors were doing. They just kind of had tunnel vision and they won. They became a millionaire. But the title, to your point, Brother Jay, the cover of the book didn't really exude like winning to me. Like, you know, he, he talks about, yeah, you can win. You can win and become a millionaire. You just got to keep trying and keep trying. The title didn't give me like a winning attitude <laughs> and the cover didn't give me a winning attitude. Like, yo, this is a good investment for me to read because I can win because I can become a millionaire. Every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> and yeah, so the so... title was, the ti I mean, the title and the cover in, in concert with one another was rather cheesy to me. Okay. Um, what I will say is, so I had it on my Kindle as well as Audible, and I probably shouldn't have got the Audible. You probably shouldn't have got the Audible, <laughs> Brother Jay. Because he sounds like a lot of people that I Don't despise. trust. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust him, despise him. He sounds like, sound like everything I never want to be around ever in life. Yeah, and then when I sped it up, it didn't make matters worse. So I stopped it. And I just I just read it on the Kindle. Um, so as you opened it up and started to get to the content, what were your reactions? So one thing that I'll say is black people don't talk about money enough. Yep. That's that's the first thing. Second thing is to talk about just the cover of the book or this book in general. I don't think that 
if I didn't already have this book, this is not a book that I would have went out and purchased. So I'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, Black people don't talk about money enough. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Michelle, co-founder, um, business partner, she says is, you know, money is a hush-hush endeavor in the Black community. And as Black people, you know, we must talk about money and we must share kind of resources. That doesn't mean that it is the responsibility of one person who has made it. I feel like it's your responsibility now to lift up other folks or create a generation of millionaires. However, we should encourage sound money habits. So this, this is more so context before I really get into the book. And the reason why I think that's important is I think that Chris understands this is a message that Black people needs to hear. However, again, putting it back in context, Chris learned a lot of his information from Dave Ramsey. It don't matter if Dave Ramsey came from humble um, beginnings, just Dave Ramsey's outlook on life outlook on life and the way he navigates life is different than how black folks navigate and the reason why I say that Chris to a certain extent is a mentee of Dave Ramsey so that means the way that Chris writes the way that Chris teaches is going to mimic what Dave Ramsey tends to do Facts. so with all that being said I feel like when you're taking in this book you just have to keep that in mind I think the things that Chris talks about are important. They, you can, you can glean information from them, but if you follow like the tone and like just the way how he delivers information, you can, you'll probably just miss everything. Um, so as you know, this book is what I would consider kind of step-by-step guide for becoming a millionaire. Um, even if you don't have, you know, this lofty bank account, this book shows you how to kind of take control of your finances and turn, you know, what it is to be your like dreams into reality. Um, a couple things that I kind of, again, gleaned from the book is that, and that we know most millionaires uh, work their money and like follow a plan. Um, that basically means, look, they don't really inherit money. A lot of them have like worked for it, um, essentially self-made. But when we get into self-made, depending on how you define that, can be a little bit different. But it wasn't like, like everybody wasn't, um, their last name is Hilton or, you know, a Rockefeller. It is, they, they worked and they amassed whatever wealth they have. Another thing that he talked about was, you know, like having a basic job, but, but knowing some simple money laws can help you become um, a millionaire. I think there is, there is this myth when we talk about these myths and this book kind of like cracking open uh, those beliefs or wrong beliefs um, is that you got to be a doctor, you got to be a lawyer, you got to be this essentially high earner to become a millionaire. And that's just not the case. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a math problem. It's an equation. <laughs> if you uh spend less than you make if you save and invest your money i'm not gonna say you can easily uh become a millionaire i can say that you can start building wealth i will say that um and i won't i won't get into the the nuances of it but 
again, you don't have to be in one career just to amass wealth. Another thing that he kind of talks about in the book was, you know, take action. Don't let your background or your current situation dictate where you're going. Even if you came from a household that didn't discuss financial literacy, it's no excuse for you right now. You can read, you can learn, you can hire someone to teach you. You can budget, you can save your money, but you can get there. And I'll, I'll stop right there. Well, for me, um, like the, the basic principles that Jeff just explained so eloquently, I agree with. And that, that, that came out in the book. I think for me, the delivery of it was somewhat suspect. Um, I could appreciate the fact that uh, he interviewed, I think they say someone on upwards of almost 11,000 millionaires in the U.S., or elite, uh, over t- between 10,000 and 11,000 millionaires over the, in, uh, over the course of the research of this book in the U.S. And so he was getting quality data from great sources. And so I could appreciate the fact that he was um, demystifying um, the concept that you have to, in order to become a millionaire, you have to come from money, you have to inherit money. And then there was some percentage in the book that he talks about that, um, I think it was like less than less than 20% of the people interviewed um, for the book that were millionaires actually inherited money. And then a smaller percentage of the people that inherited money in some degree, they inherited uh they inherited less than a hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, insurance policies, you know, mm-hmm. selling of an old family home, X, Y, and Z, liquidating assets. But it wasn't like people inheriting millions and millions of dollars. The, the, the money that the people inherit that people inherited that they interviewed was pretty nominal in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of those kind of building blocks that you were speaking about, Jeff, you know, sound budgeting and planning and saving more importantly, and he emphasized saving. But I think from the Dave Dave Ramsey school uh, and approach, he also emphasized like your philanthropy also is interconnected, intertwined with your ability to to give and your ability to budget. And if you kind of contribute to uh, the greater good that's higher than yourself, you have a, a, a better chance of achieving your goal. And if your greater good is to become a millionaire, by way of increasing your contributions and saving more and being a, a uh, more well-rounded citizen. I appreciated that fact. And you're right that black folks, we don't talk about money enough, but I think the reason we don't talk about money is because of Chris Hogan <laughs> or the, or the, or the kind of like the, the premise by which he tried to relay and communicate some, some, basic principles that I agree with wholeheartedly because you know he spends a lot of time in the books you know talking about the plight of millionaires where people think because you have money you inherited it or you didn't work for it or you did something you know uh unethical to receive it and it's like nah I I, I don't have I didn't come from money but I don't think just because you're a millionaire you did something grimy to get there and so I think he had like a uh a false assumption about a lot of the readers. And, and I could, and I could, I could kind of say, all right, well, if he wanted black people to talk about money as a black author, 
I don't think he did himself any justice by the way he tried to disseminate the information because it's like, yeah, um, don't talk about the 1% like, like we're bad people because we, we, we pulled ourselves up from the boots by the bootstrap to get there. And you can do the same thing. You just got to change your mindset, change your mindset. And it sounds very salesy to me, but I, I understand the premise and like the, the intention behind the book. But as I read through the pages, the one thing I could appreciate was at least he went to 10,000 millionaires and tried to come up with some common themes that tie all of them together. I can appreciate and respect the fact that he gave very specific examples of regular ordinary people from humble, humble beginnings that, like you said, they, they came up with a, they came up, they had a vision, they established some goals. They came up with some key performance indicators for those said goals and they planned the work and they worked their plan. And the fact that, you know, you had some people that he cited in the book that had accumulated, you know, upwards of $6 million, $10 million in uh, net, net assets, uh, whether it was, you know, through their uh, investments and or their real estate or very seldom people actually acquire a million dollars based on their salaries. So I took that away from the book. I was like, well, that's, that's good information for people to know. Like, yo, you could say you want to make a half a million a year. That don't necessarily mean that you're going to be a millionaire based on your assets minus your liabilities equating to your net worth. And so I think in the, throughout the book, he really tries to level set on a common understanding of what it means to be a millionaire, um, the attributes that are required to achieve that said goal. But I don't know, for some reason in the book, I just felt like he was trying to talk. He was trying to bring people up, but he was talking down to people at the same time. And I couldn't really get with that. I um, I kept hearing Dave Ramsey as I was reading it. And that's, that was one. Um, I do appreciate where he got the qualitative and the quantitative data. Um, so he discussed that. I also like the the life lessons that he that that were that were interwoven between the tips and the tricks and the hacks um, for just financial and money management. What I will say is, um, I felt like a lot of the information was starting to become repetitive. Um, a lot of the points had the same principle or the gist was similar. And so I felt as if it was like, yep, this probably could have been tied into one tip. Um, and I did think as I got further into the book, some of the stories could have been a little shorter, get to the point. I think I kept feeling like workbooky, and then he was like, oh, well, you can find this on my website. And I was like, ah, I'm on a webinar. Like, <laughs> like every time, yeah, I made this free tool. You can go here. And I was like, yep, this has Dave Ramsey, like, written all on it. Now, granted, very appreciative that the free tools and resources are available to the public. But I did feel as if, after a while, I was getting sold some stuff like, oh, check out this book. 
go check out this book or Dave Ramsey says this in his book. And I was like, oh, all right, got it. Like subliminal messaging in terms of go out, spend more money that I'm telling you to save. Right. But then the point was to invest in books and resources to help you gain better financial stewardship uh, principles, all that good stuff. So I will say that um, I think there was good content. Um, I think this wasn't a book that you could just grab to read while you're like laying on the couch. Like I felt like I needed to be in workshop mode to really digest or it wasn't an entertaining book. It was a book that, all right, cool. I'm going to read a chunk. I'm going to digest it. I'm going to take some notes and then I'm going to put some things to work, right? Like I'm going to do the things that he just said do. So it wasn't something that you can read all in one setting. It really was a book in terms of workbook. Like you had to work while you were reading the book to think about where are you financially utilizing those tools to find out what your current net worth is calculator, all those good things. So I would say overall, I thought it was a decent read. I think it was a little wordy at some points. And then my first point, it felt Dave Ramsey heavy. And I think that was distracting to me. And I guess a few things I'll just add to that um, in general. Like I said before, one, I agree with everything that you all are saying. Typically, it's like money is just never... It, it appears like it's never like exciting to talk about, right? Now, if we talking about going shopping or something like that, I feel like, and, and I'm, I'm talking more from a black lens. Let me let me say that it, it's never really <laughs> exciting to talk about. Uh, so it's like trying to find a way to make someone read it. I feel like it can be somewhat difficult. However. Uh, I don't know if Chris would have, would have been that person. So this is that's more of a general statement. The other thing is, honestly, I don't even think most people, let me say this, I don't think most Black people really like Dave Ramsey. I have went back and forth with this. Like, so one example of that would be um, Dave Ramsey's course is called Financial Peace. A lot of times when you get married, and you don't even have to be getting married, but typically when you're about to get married, folks would be like, make sure you take Financial Peace. And me and my wife went back and forth on, I don't want to take Dave Ramsey, but I think we should take a financial book, but I don't want to take Dave Ramsey. But do you have another course that you know that's out there? So it was like a back and forth, which we end up not taking the course. So again, I'm saying that to say, one, um, talking about finances can be somewhat difficult. Then another layer on top of that, you know, a lot of Chris's guidance or style is from Dave Ramsey, who Black people really don't like. And if you are trying to talk about a subject, yes, he interviewed people, but I still don't feel like your source in terms of a person should be one individual. He probably could have spent more time (laughs) researching other Dave Ramsey-like folks. And with that said, you know, I think Dave Ramsey even wrote the foreword so Dave Ramsey was all over this. 
and it just created somewhat um, of a problem. However, not a problem. <laughs> however, I I still just think that there were things in this book that folks should still be taking um, good nuggets from. Again, when we talk about just the myths around, you know, millionaires are uh, high-end like earners. They have like a bunch of degrees. They all have real estate or they work in finance or, um, you know, that what Kev kind of talked about before, like, you know, millionaires eat steak every night, fly PJs. From um, Outback. Right. <laughs> fly private jets. and That's how they know. stay millionaires, man. They eat Outback on the Tuesday night specials, man. <laughs> Only drive. All the cookerberry wings you can eat. <laughs> Only drive foreign cars and all this stuff. Like, that That just just is not true. Like, and when you actually think when you when you start to actually like make you know a little bit of money you start to see like how close like if you were shooting towards that dream it could be if you probably was a little bit more disciplined and i I think what people should just get from this from this particular book if they read it or this particular podcast is i probably should look at my finances a bit better and determine my own financial goals this is not Chris Hogan, but for Jeff Chance, I think the bigger uh, goal, I think, with finance should be financial freedom. And financial freedom can mean a different things for different people. To get financial freedom, you don't have to be a millionaire. You can make, I don't like, you can tap out from investments, your salary, whatever, let's just say all that stuff put together 200,000 and you can feel like a millionaire because you are living a life that you want to live, taking the trips you want to take, driving what you want to drive, living where you want to live. And that's why I focus more on financial freedom and what does that dollar amount look like um, for you. Uh, with people like Chris Hogan, you, you get to this point where so what Kevin was saying earlier, like you're, you're, you are discussing this book and it's almost like you're looking down and the vernacular that you're using, uh, it comes off that way and it can kind of turn um, folks off. Um, so, I, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a, a swing and a miss in, in that regard. One of the things or a couple of things the book didn't talk about is what I would consider or didn't delve in um, as much as it should is like these truths in terms of wealth and I ain't gonna say it's not specifically to black people but I feel like this conversation is about like blacks and the community and a few of those myths are one everyone is not gonna be a millionaire that is just life that's capitalism like that that is just facts everybody just will not be a millionaire the other thing is um I talked about this before like for Black people, and when you look at history, when you look at all of our setbacks that we've had, I mean, it starts from slavery, but, and the reason why we have to, like, go back to slavery, because when it talk about, like, redlining in communities, when it talks about, um, essentially, exing Black folks out, like, that, that set us back, and that's just economics, and you can't, 
you can't like not take that out of history to like we didn't just arrive where we're at like you know like oh we all wanted to be poor we all didn't want to have resources there were things historically that happened that set us back so as a result of that i personally believe black people can't just jump from poor or without to millionaires there is a huge gap in between and that gap is financial literacy so what i'm saying is that we first have to understand financial literacy before we even try to build wealth and if we can just start to make hedgeways on that i feel like as a people we will we will go a lot further than we we expect or we would go a lot further than other folks expect us to go but that's just a few truths of it. Again, everyone ain't gonna be a millionaire and it starts with financial literacy for black folks. I mean, for me, one of the takeaways, honestly, um, that I could appreciate were around some of the myths. And one of the myths that uh, he kind of talks about is uh, millionaires have a leg up in education and careers. And, you know, as an educator myself, um, you know, folks that try to uh, or make the attempt to go to college or go to a four-year university. And there's a lot of misconceptions even around like what degree program should you major in that gives you the best chance of becoming a millionaire, <laughs> right? And a lot of times no one is, no one is ever picking a, a major in the school of engineering, <laughs> or a uh or uh trying to get on the pre-med track to become a doctor or um even trying to get some kind of undergraduate degree to go to a, a reputable business school to get an MBA there's it's like yeah I can do it by majoring in this and becoming that and it's completely unrealistic cuz people haven't researched like the the potential of the kind of money that you're probably going to make in the positions that you're going to be qualified for, for said major or said degree. And so I just think even to your point, Jeff, you talk about like, before you can talk about generating wealth, you got to start focusing on financial literacy and your basic understanding of the vernacular and the language and the culture and the rhythm of money management. Right. Before you even before you even reach and make your first million dollars, you got to have some basic understanding of arith arithmetic. Learn how a credit score works. Learn right. how a credit card works. Yeah. Learn how they accumulate interest. Like, yeah, if you so, don't get that. You ain't going to get to know. Oh, I'm yeah. going to be a millionaire. And so like I could appreciate some of the some of the examples that dude was given. But I think if he kind of stuck with like the meat of it it probably would have came off a little better. For example, if one of the myth, one of the myths that he talks about in the book is um, millionaires have a leg up in education and careers. And he talks about most believe wealthy people have prestigious private school educations. Wealthy people have high paying jobs, but the real facts were millionaires attend college. So let's, let's, let's equate education to your ability to become a millionaire. So let's, let's put that out the window because I'm tired of people coming out and saying, well, yeah, you don't have to go to college to have a, a career. That's true. But if there's a particular level or a particular um, level of financial stability and liberation and freedom that you want, that's, that's, it's not going to come by. It's not going to fall out the sky. 
You have to pursue some level of education. Now, the flip on it though is you ain't got to go broke and you don't have to and you don't have to go crazy with um subsidizing the cost of your education, but the facts are millionaires attend college. You know, 88% graduated with a bachelor's degree versus 33% of the general population. So yes, millionaires are educated. I think if he could have led with that lens, it could have gone over a little better. You know, millionaires work for companies. However, only 18% are actually business owners, right? Let's just look at Jay-Z, your Jay-Zs, your Jay-Zs of the world, your Diddy's of the world. They're business owners, right? And they got millions, a hundred million over. But at the same time, they're only 18% of this, what they're talking about here. You know what I mean? So like, I think if he could have lent, if he could have said, yo, you don't have to be Jay-Z to be a millionaire, I think it would have went over a little better. But he kind of went from the, he went with the conservative, like right wing, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, take no for answers, all about competition, win, win, win. And yo, black people ain't built like that, man. Let's be real. Let's, let's, I'm gonna keep it a book. The Chris Hogan book and the lens that he talking to people, it's a very Western civilization approach to capitalism, to wealth, to competition. Win, win, win at all costs and take no for an answer and you can become a millionaire. When I really think if he just stuck with the, with the meat of what he was trying to say, you got to be educated. Um, most people have regular jobs. That's okay, right? The top three occupations, engineering, accounting, and teaching. Yes, teachers can become millionaires as well. So it's like, I think if he kind of came from that approach and talked about more so what's possible instead of like, instead of like all of the barriers and the bullshit that people talk about because nobody really has a good understanding of what it really means and what the costs associated with becoming a millionaire really are, then you get all this dumb shit. And I think if he would have stuck to that, I probably would have respected it a little more. Like he said, 79% didn't attend prestigious private schools. 62% graduated from public state schools. Yo, I went to a state school myself. If you if you, if you were kind of stuck in that lane, I probably would have received it a little better. 8% of the millionaires attended a community college and 9% never graduated from college at all. So with all of that being said, if he kind of made the thing the thing, I think it probably would have been received, at least from my purview, a little better. Um, so, you know, I say take it at face value. I think, listen, I say listen to Cousin Jeff and everything that he said about building wealth and understanding money first. It's probably more important than reading Chris, Chris Hogan's book. But at the same time, I respect the brother for trying. You. <laughs> I was gonna say you was preaching. Why? Why you had to do that to the man? But look, one I, I agree with a lot of stuff you just said. You you touch on a lot of hot topics when when it comes to this this these conversations about uh, college versus not going to college, college versus trade school. When we talk about the, the degrees, when we talk about majors and. I'm just going to go through a, a few of those quickly just to show you the difference and what tends to happen. Okay. And I, and I feel like, you know, this is a black versus white thing. 
typically when when black people are encouraged to go to college it's it's always do what you love follow your passion your passion gonna take you you know further than where uh you want to go if you just did something else opposed to typically what i have seen or what i've noticed with uh <laughs> other races they're always pushing them towards majors that have larger salaries or just gross you know more money i'm not saying one way is right versus another but that is that's one difference that i i tend to to notice like it's it's great if you i'm i'm going to get into certain degrees but that's that's a difference another thing that people don't talk about enough again specifically talking about college typically when it comes to black kids paying for college it is them taking out student loans or their parents taking out student loans and it, it's not like there was money set aside for you it's just like look take all student loans you need and we just gonna figure it out afterwards and let me caveat that by saying and we're not managing the student loans properly but dog, that's, that, but that's the thing that he said in the book right that i kind of took issue to he was like yeah the, you know millionaires they went to college, but they they took little to no student loans. And I'm just like, yo, at the end of the day, when it comes to Black people acquiring wealth through their occupation, they normally acquire wealth with a graduate degree. That's what Black people acquire the most student debt. It's not, the, it's, the undergrad is a problem, but they acquire more student debt on the graduate side of the th of things because they need the graduate degree to try to acquire more wealth with that train of thinking like, all right, the, the more money I make, the closer I get to becoming a millionaire. So it's kind of like this uh, this double-edged sword effect. But the, but the problem that I have is, it's like, yo, you, you interview 11,000 people. You said the top occupations are engineering, accounting, and teaching. Like go more, go more in depth around the story about how they ended up where they are to even begin to accumulate the wealth that they accumulated. And so, I, you know, the, the crazy part is with, with black folks in America, and this is you know, like you said, this ain't like no secret formula, it's math. There are more black folks that have come from humble beginnings, that got to rely on student loans, that have a shot at paying for college, let alone getting a graduate degree, let alone becoming a doctor or a lawyer or, or uh, a pristine professional. You know what I'm saying? Like the opportunity costs are higher. Right. And, and, and the I, point, But I wish he would have said that shit, but he didn't. <laughs> and the point that I was going to make that most people just skate over when it comes to, and I'm just talking about undergrad, the difference what it what it looks like for a black child to go to college versus a non-black child to go to college. Typically, black child, they gotta, if you're not playing sports most of the time, you have to take out student loans. And you're taking out student loans for everything. And you're um, you are accumulating a lot of debt. Typically. It's a living credit card. Right. For Typically, the, when, when, time when other races, yeah. when other races go to college, they're not doing that. And the difference that I'm really just trying to point out is when you graduate, even if y'all starting at the same job, making the same amount of money, you have one individual who just on a student loan is probably paying $500 a month for that student loan. 
whereas you got another one who isn't paying that at all. So you're already decreasing your salary. And, and again, th this is not something that folks talk about and it's just stated over. Now, this is not to add, look, you, now you need another degree. So you are now adding more on top of that. But what I'm saying is you go to college and the downside of that sometimes is you owe more than debt than your counterpart, even if y'all are working at the same, uh, the same job. The, the last thing I was going to say in terms of what I consider the hot topics you talked about, again, one was the degrees, one was just the majors. The other one is about like these trade schools. Black people don't encourage trade schools enough. If you knew how much electricians were, make, were making, plumbers were making, um, living in D.C., these metro uh, drivers making six figures, the bus drivers out here with overtime making $128,000 a year. I think that was a study from two years ago. I'm going to always be a proponent of education, but in the context of talking about building wealth, we just have to understand like it's more than one way to do so. However, if you are going to trade schools, there is still some form of education that you need because just because you're making close to six figures, if you don't know how to manage that money and you squander it, you're no different than making, uh, well, working at a job that's making fifty, sixty thousand dollars. So, but but Jeff, I'll do you one. I'll do you one better. It ain't even about managing what you what you making. Yo, they just don't pay people a hundred thousand dollars with no education. I don't care like what, what type of education it is. Like if you gonna make a hundred thousand dollars in America and you you're gonna be employed by someone, there's some level of training or expectation. Right that you're going to have. And so like the shit that they, well, you don't got to go to school to make money, blah, blah, blah. It's the dumbest shit ever because whatever you do, you got to be educated. You got to sit in some kind of classroom because you got to develop a skill that you didn't have before. How are you going to learn it? Even, even if you're a barber. Even if you're a you, barber, you, Jeff. You even if you're a barber, you need 5,000 contact school. hours and blah, 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 blah. Even if you're a barber, it don't matter. And so I think like, that's one of the myths like, yo, but now, nah, you know, if you, if, if you don't have to do anything post-secondary because it's just not worth the time. Well, obviously the data says otherwise. I'll rest my case. I don't, I don't have the notes. <laughs> All right. On the black power fist scale. Um, one through five. How many fists we giving it? I'm going to go first because I feel like Jeff going to judge me either way. But I, I'm going to give Brother Hogan three fists. I'm going to give him three fists on a five-fist scale off the strength of, you know, sometimes you, yo, sometimes if you don't swing, you don't know if you can get a hit. If you don't swing, you can't get on base. And I figured he swung. And he probably hit a few balls with a few folks, man. Um, Maybe a bunt. You know, it was a bunt. He, he, he got on first base with a lot of folks, man. I don't know if he. I mean, if he hit a home run with this book, it's because people have already adopted or subscribed to the Dave Ramsey school of thought. But um, I give him a three off the attempt. Um, I give him a three off that. Was, that was some relevant information throughout the book. Um, but I got to dock him a little bit because I just don't think his delivery was was 
as uh, polished as it could have been. Um, and I and I, I think I think it was a lot of wasted effort by way of his delivery. I thought I thought some of the meat was very good, but I thought he he wasted an opportunity to provide some some level of enlightenment and um, perspective on uh, the ins and outs of what it's like to become a millionaire. So I give him a three. Yeah, I I, I agree as well. Um, I think Chris's target audience that he was looking for for this book, like he missed and trying to capture that target um, audience. And funny enough, like this book is, it's at Target. And the reason why I even point that out, Target, Americans go there. We, we go to Target. So, and when you're kind of looking for a book, this is one that you will probably see on the shelf. So you, they may pick it up, you know, they may buy it, they may read it. I think folks gonna may struggle with this book for a number of reasons. Again, what he was trying to do, he just didn't execute um, as well. However, uh, there there is some good information you can get from this book. But for someone like us who may have been able to get through the book, I think because there's also a level of financial understanding. So you can kind of just continue to read through it. Again, as someone who is newer to this conversation, they haven't really spent a lot of time, you know, with books that's talking about budgeting, financing, trying to get to the quote unquote next level. They may be turned off early on and they just may not finish this book. Um, I'm not surprised again. His mentor is Dave Ramsey and black folks is like, we don't really uh, bang with, with Dave Ramsey like that. Chris could have been black folks, Dave. Now, you know what? He Chris he missed have, the opportunity, man. He could have right. been, he could have been like the, the Louis Farrakhan of, of, of the Dave Ramsey thing. He could have gave like a whole perspective for black people, man. I agree. And, and liberation and, and like, and then I think people could have took the little, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstrap comments a little better, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, man. And, and at this point, I just feel like that the, how we even talk about that that conversation just needs to look different. Like that whole phrase is outdated. People are tired tired of hearing it. And like you said, this was an opportunity opportunity for him, given what he had what he has studied what he has what he has known to create his own path and I almost misspoke earlier by saying he could have been a black day Ramsey like you know he could have been Chris Hogan the you know black financial literacy person um who was doing it like his own way like yeah I learned from x but I've taken that and I've kind of carved my own lane with that I also give uh Chris three black fists <laughs> yeah Yo, brother Jay's face right now, y'all. I know y'all gonna hear this on the streaming platforms everywhere, but we on the video right now, and this brother's face. And look, all <laughs> last year they said I was so tough uh-huh. on these authors. All I'm saying is, me and Ronald are switching places. <laughs> I um, I echo everything that you said, and. 
Um, useful information, yes. Dripping in Dave Ramsey, yes. Does that mean it was less useful? No. Does it mean it was less effective? Yes. Um, there were several ways that he could have done this differently, but I remember sharing with a client we can't think about the ways that it wasn't. We can only observe and reflect on the way it was. Um, so that being said, I'm going to give it a two. That's all I'm going to say on it. It's a two. Um, would I go back and read it? Maybe at a later date. Maybe bits and pieces. Maybe I'll just say, oh, let me get this chapter. Um, I'm good. Fair. <laughs> Fair, hey yo, man! But I did re- I, I did return the audible. I, like, can you do that, man? I, within I, a year, within a year, you got three hundred sixty-five days from the date of purchase. What? Even if I use the credit? Yeah, and so listen, you can't just go in there and start returning shit because they'll flag your account. And they, okay. Because they. But I can. But I can return this one. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Go okay, ahead. Okay, that's fair. You can yeah, do it in the, get, in your app. Then I get the one for next month with the with the credit. So it ain't <laughs> like I'm going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, that, I, I, I'm laughing though. I'm laughing because you gave the joint a two real rap. You know, this is your perspective. But the, I think this is probably the lowest score we've ever had for bourbon and books, man. A two, a two point six six six. No, we got no. one lower than that. We have one exactly this. I forget two point six six six. What was what was January's book? What was White Fear? Oh. I, Oh no, White Field was higher than this. Okay, because I dropped. Yeah, it. I think I dropped. Rolling book? I think I dropped a two on that one too. Yeah, but no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, Rolling's book was higher than a, a two point six 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 fish, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this joint look like the devil's numbers. I looked at it. I said, wait a second. This got to be the lowest rating ever. Potentially on the show. Potentially two point six six six. Yeah, man. Because we ain't really have nobody that was like really in the author's camp. I think we all kind of aligned on like how it made us feel. Yeah. Like we appreciate what was the said. audible though, right? When when the audible, I I'm 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 traumatized. Well, I shouldn't have done it. Because I, I thought I was at an RNC convention <laughs> like the night before. I thought it was before. I thought it was Herschel Walker's brother, bro. <laughs> like that was inappropriate. I shouldn't have said that ah! in the show, bro. Like, <laughs> And I, you know, I was like, this is audible. I thought that was still the same voice. And so oh, I was like, well, when, when is the book going to start? And then no. as I like skip a, fu- <laughs> skip a couple chapters, I, the voice didn't change. And I was like, let me return this because I'm not, I'm not finna sit here and listen to this. I'm not. Hey, yo, bro. I thought he was, I thought he was reading his book at the podium on <laughs> Wednesday night of the RNC convention. You know how Wednesday is like. Right before primetime Thursday, it's like the it's like the eve of, of the big the big stuff at the conventions. I thought he was like the keynote speaker at like the five forty five slot, five forty five p.m. slot. Yeah, I I, I it, it, yeah, I just. But I mean, two point six six six, man. Wow. That's can we do we round it or do we just we, do don't. we say we're not we rounded. just say we we're just say two point six six six. No, because you gotta subtract. You gotta subtract what you made over your debt, right? And this, <laughs> so we say, does that mean it's a two point two point six seven? <laughs> it's a six. 
this is two point six, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But damn. Okay. Well, uh, two point six <laughs> on the Black Power Fish Scale for yeah. the Bourbon and Books uh, Bookly uh, Monthly Book Club Selection. <laughs> bookly work work Bookly <laughs> work book selection. Everyday Millionaires uh, by Chris Hogan. Uh, printed in 2019 from the Ramsey Press. Uh, 2.6 on the Black Power Fist scale. And uh seems like everybody kind of agrees with that score. And uh, we'll have to send the research team out to do some investigations if that's the lowest score ever on bourbon and books. And, uh, you know, hey, it don't take much to be a millionaire, but discipline and focus. And a job. <laughs> Three takeaways. And a Toyota Prius. <laughs> and a Toyota Prius or a Subaru. <laughs> sorry, sorry to everybody holding on to the 98 Honda Civic. Sorry. We, we good, man. We good. I get it, man. I get it. And, and one day you too will have assets that exceed your liabilities. On that note, You've just witnessed another Bourbon and Books uh, edition of the on the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, along with our dear brother, cousin Jeff. Until next time, get a savings plan, be light. Be easy. Be light.